As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Cradio. The following presentation is brought to you by Perusia Media. Please listen at the end for more information about the many fine products available from Perusia Media. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we praise you and bless you. We ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we all can say the things you want us to say and hear the things you want us to hear. Direct our actions, our thoughts, and our words, and even our very attitudes towards that which would give you greater praise and glory and honor. We pray as Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank all those who organized this uh, for me to come here. It's still an important topic to deal with in our culture because I think there are a number of issues that our society is trying to deal with and, of course, the religious. You cannot understand human beings if you try to divorce them from religion. If you go all the way back to Mesolithic time and Neolithic, and probably in Paleolithic too. Some of that up to 140,000 years ago, when human, Homo sapiens, our own species, is alive. Already they're making different artifacts about their religion. They're burying people religiously and ceremoniously because to understand life, we have to see our very purpose. And that is going to be so much connected with our understanding of death. Because if you don't have reasons to live, to die for, and things that you would die for, you don't really have much to live for either. Because you see in the ultimate sense of who we are, that to know why we're here, where we're going, and what is this all for. And because the religious questions are so essential to human beings, it's hard to find people who are not religious. There are some. There are a few atheists, but not many. And there's a great line by G.K. Chesterton who said, when someone gives up their faith, 
They rarely believe in nothing. They'll believe in anything. And this is something that has gone on in our culture. Because in the last century, we saw horrendous things happen. Last, the 20th century, the last century in which practically all of us here were born. That century was one of the most violent, if not the most violent in human history. There were more martyrs in the last century than in the first 400 years of the Catholic Church. And it was something done in the name usually of atheism. Ever hear people say, oh, religion is the biggest cause of war in the world? That's not true. That's simply not true. Not even in Israel, where you see the Israelis versus the Arabs. That's not about religion. As a matter of fact, 85% of Israelis are atheists. They're not fighting for their faith. They're fighting for their land. That's not about religion at all. And, in fact, the violence is not usually done by religious people. 2,000 years of Christianity and all the religious wars, including the Crusades, led to the death of 4.75 to 5 million people in 2,000 years. In the 80 or so years, the 82 years, 83 years of atheistic government in Soviet Union, China, Cambodia, and then, of course, the neo-paganism of Nazi Germany and the Empire of Japan. You take all of the people who died in those wars in that 83-year period, from 1917 to 1990, and you're talking about 165 to 180 million people. It's incredible. And this attempt at being irreligious in Soviet Union and Red China were the worst and the most dangerous. Their atheism is responsible for at least 135 million people's death in that 70-year, 80-year period. It's incredible how that would be. 70 million in China, 63 million in Russia, in Russia, 2 million in Cambodia. But also, in a way, something that we recoil at more was the viciousness that occurred during neo-paganism. The Empire of Japan worshipped the emperor and was an attempt to bring back a certain type of neo-paganism. Hitler belonged to a group from 1909 to 1914, and then he restarted it again in Munich after World War I, of trying to revive worship of the old German gods. And he combined it with a racism he got from the theosophical movement. Theosophy is extremely important for tonight's topic because it is the original New Age religion, started by a Russian Baroness, 
Madam Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, who taught that the Aryan people of the world have to reign supreme and rule everybody else. Hitler picked up on that and the paganism. And he lived it out, and that became Nazi Germany. And 50 million people died in that war. 50 million. But still less than atheism killed. When we are talking about our own history, recent history, for some of you it seems a long time ago because you're fairly young. I certainly remember that World War II seemed a long time ago, though I was born just four years after it was over. But it's not long ago. It's very recent history. And the dangerous elements of irreligion or of religion that worships incorrectly is shown by all of this. And that's why what we're talking about is something so crucial. I myself, when I was in college in 1970, in my last couple of years of college, got involved in what was what is now called the New Age movement. In those days, it wasn't called that; didn't have a name, because it was the people my age, college students my age, who had started off and were taught by old beatniks, and then became the hippies of the 1960s, and. One of the things that we would say all the time is don't trust anybody over 30. I stopped saying that 23 years ago. <laughs> I learned a lot more respect for the people over 30 since. But there was this general sense that you don't trust anybody or anything. All institutions are untrustworthy. The government can't be trusted. The church can't be trusted. The schools can't be trusted. The university can't be trusted. Ironically, for all of the preaching of love, joy, and peace that seemed to be part of the hippie movement, there was, in fact, an incredible built-in paranoia, perhaps related to a little too much marijuana, which causes paranoia. It's one of its side effects. Be that as it may, it was the folks who rejected everything around them that was older and previous who then started to experiment with religion, looking to Hinduism, to Buddhism, but not really Hinduism or Buddhism. It was Hinduism and Buddhism as they understood it. And then in the 70s, as the feminist movement became more and more political, and less focused on the economical, it also incorporated a return to paganism. They said that we have to worship the goddesses because the gods are all masculine and they are inherently oppressive to women. Not paying attention to the sociology of religion, wherein, in fact, societies which worship male and female deities where you have goddesses and gods, those societies tend to be far more oppressive of women than cultures that worship only God. 
And a classic example would be India. The Muslims and the Christians who worship the one God don't abort their baby girl because they're female. The Hindus who worship the goddesses, in fact, abort their children who are girls because they're girls rather than boys. And in some parts of northern India, the ratio is 85 to 100. 85 girls to 100 boys. But that's only in the Hindu areas, not in the parts that worship the one God. Because, in fact, the goddess worship ends up being far more oppressive. But the feminists didn't realize that when they got started. They didn't do their homework. And all of this movement towards an Americanized version of Hinduism and Buddhism and neo-paganism started to come together on 1975 as those of us who were in college and the hippies in college of the 60s eventually ran out of scholarships, stopped running to Canada and weren't being supported by mom and dad anymore and needed to get a job. And that's when you see the New Age movement become an economic institution. In other words, they had to make a living. So they began to open up New Age bookstores and shops and do seminars, write books, and also seek out a certain kind of power. And this became, especially in the 1980s, after all those folks were 30. A movement that came into great prominence, especially in Hollywood. Now, that's sort of its background. That's some of its origin. What is the New Age movement? What does that mean? And how does it show up? And what are we supposed to do as Christians in response to it? First of all, what is it? And by the way, if you want to get some help on that, there's a new document on the Pontifical Council for Culture and for Interreligious Dialogue called Jesus Christ, the Bearer of Water of Life. And it's on the New Age movement. And you can get that on the web. If you go on the Internet, go to EWTN.com, go to our library, go to our documents, and you get it for free. Just download it if you want. But... What is this New Age movement that this document is talking about? I isolate four different elements that are key. First, it is not a cult. It is not an organization. It's a cultural trend or a movement of sorts. Now, why am I making that distinction? It's not well organized. There's no one person who is the pope of the New Age movement. You got Shirley MacLaine, but she's not the Pope. <laughs> and you got a few other people who have certain kinds of leadership. But in fact, the people in the New Age movement don't get along with each other. How do I know that? Because they sue each other constantly for stealing each other's ideas. And so the New Age movement is a movement and it's composed of lots and lots of different ideas. You got astrology in there, you got witchcraft, you got crystals, 
You got angel power. Now again, that's not against the angel. But there's some people who began to use the angels for a six billion dollar year industry. And what they forgot is that some angels are on God's side and some are not. And the ones that they were consulting would always, and every time I read the angel books, I would see the same pattern. They always talk about Jesus Christ, but it is never the Jesus Christ of the Gospels. It's always a different Jesus Christ, such as St. Paul warned about in first, Second Corinthians 11. They also would uh, get involved in various forms of meditation, various forms of yoga, various forms of Hinduism and Buddhism, and combine and mix and match. So much as they're mixing and matching, at times I've been tempted to think of it as a Mr. Potato Head approach to theology. You take pieces from here and there, but it doesn't really fit together. But that didn't bother them. And they would use, as a matter of fact, typically, the reason that it's a, a movement or a current rather than a religion or cult is because people change from one fad to another. They move around. They change all the time. That's why I have never, ever heard of a single New Age martyr. They don't die for the religion. They change before you challenge them. But what I have come across many times are New Age suicides. That is not unusual. They're not martyred for their faith because they don't stand up for their faith. They change. But suicide, ah, there are whole groups that commit suicide together. The Temple of the Sun in Switzerland and Quebec. That group that was waiting for the spaceship to come get them in San Diego. And the greatest of all was the Jonestown mass suicide. There's sometimes a murder. Some of you may have heard of the game Dungeons and Dragons. With that game, as of 1995, there were already 400 people murdered playing the game. Because they, somebody lost, and some, especially when adults were playing it, less so young people, but when young adults were playing it, oftentimes, again, at least that we know of 400 to 500 cases back then. I haven't kept up with it since. The, there were these murders. And that's odd. I've never heard of the Monopoly murders or the shoots and ladders suicides. <laughs> this is not a good game, if you ask me. And all of these things can fit under that umbrella. So if this is such a mishmash of so many things, what is it that then, that then holds them together so you can call this new age? All right? First, they believe in monism. That's not moaning after telling bad jokes. Monism refers to a philosophy in which comes from the Greek word monos. You know, like you've heard of monarch, in other words, begin with mono. That means one. Monism is the belief that everything is one being. So you look at the audience and say, wait a minute. It looks like there are a few hundred people here, right? 
It looks like there are a couple hundred, few hundred chairs. What are you talking about? Well, the New Ager will say that is an illusion. The existence of the individual is an illusion. It's not real. You're not really a unique individual. We are all one being together. And I don't mean by that that we, you know, sort of put our arms on the shoulders and sway to kumbaya. It's not that kind of oneness that would just be friendliness with each other or that we're part of the human family. No, they mean that we are one with the floor. We are one with the air. We are one with the trees. And so on. Everything is one thing. And it only looks like they're different individuals, but that's an illusion. So what you have to do in a New Age movement is overcome the illusion. Get rid of the illusion that there are different individuals and come to experience the oneness. How do you do that? Three main techniques. One, hallucinogenic drugs. In one of the key books of the New Age movement, The um, Aquarian Conspiracy by Marilyn Ferguson, she has eight texts where she recommends hallucinogenic drugs to get into the New Age mentality. This will break down your idea of individuals, and you just think that way with drugs. Second technique is breathing exercises and yoga where you use breathing exercises, and when you do breathing exercises, you do alter your consciousness. You increase the carbon dioxide in your blood, and that gives you an altered state of consciousness. So that's one of the goals. And in fact, it's the goal of yoga as a whole. Yoga is not about relaxation or exercise. It's not about stretching. When you read what the yogis say, read the Upanishads, Read the text on how to do yoga by yogi uh, uh, practitioners, not not just by someone who's down at the you know TV station or at the YMCA, but read what the yogis themselves say. And they say that the goal of yoga is for you to lose your personality, for your personality to dissolve, so that when you die, after many, many reincarnations, You will cease to exist as an individual. You will become like a drop of water in the ocean of Brahma, the ocean of God. So you'll disappear as a person. That's the goal. So the exercises are meant to make you less of an individual person and to help you to become one with everything. That's the goal. Okay? I know people use it for exercise and stretching and all that, but that's not what they want to do. They want you to do is become one. A third technique that they use to get rid of the idea that you're all different, to come to experience the oneness, is hypnosis. Either some guy hypnotizes you, or they teach you how to hypnotize yourself. That's one of the very, very common techniques. There's one group, uh, Silva Mind Control, in which Jose Silva of Laredo, Texas, taught people self-hypnosis. And it was very, very lucrative. You know, he was making $800 per person for a seminar when he started off. And he had, I don't remember how many millions of people go through it. But it was uh, extraordinarily lucrative. And uh, he thought he was helping people. But it, it was not. It was to get your mind one with the universe. So you would know all the knowledge of the universe by becoming one with it. And there are many other groups that use uh, hypnosis as well. So these are some of the techniques that they use typically 
in order to get you to be at one with the universe. Now, if you're one with the universe, then you have a question. What is this universe then? What is this one being? The standard New Age answer is the, sec- the next point about what they are, how they define themselves. They believe that everything is God. They don't believe that God lives in everything. They don't believe that God exists and that everything exists in God. They believe everything is God. This podium is God. The floor is God. The chairs are God. But don't worry about showing disrespect by sitting on God. Because you're God too. And one of the things that they believe is that there are different levels of being God. Alright? And that you can be more or less God. So, the inanimate things, dirt, stones, buildings, are not so much God, but they are God, but they don't know it. They're not conscious of it. Trees have more awareness of being God than the stone. Virgin forests really know that they're God. So that's, when you hear people talking about destroying virgin forests, or not destroying them, remember the lady that was living in a tree? Because she was afraid they were going to cut it down and broke her heart when they did cut it down? You know, well, some people believe in that stuff because virgin forests have higher levels of consciousness. Dolphins and whales are way up there. Because they all used to live on the lost continent of Atlantis. And they've been reincarnated as dolphins. So that's why you had some New Agers going to uh, SeaWorld to talk to them, to learn from them. And they talked back. And there was one group in Hawaii. This is my favorite. They would get people to pay them money to go in on a boat out into the Pacific. You'd get into the water. This guy and his wife would summon dolphins. And the do- you would be able to hold on to the dolphin's flippers. They were somewhat trained. And if the dolphin spun you around, you know, it's a, that's a natural behavior of dolphins, right? If the dolphin spun you around, then the dolphin became your guardian angel. And this only cost you $500. <laughs> now, let me tell you something about this. God gives you a guardian angel for free. You don't have to pay anybody or a dolphin. You don't have to give them a fish. Your guardian angel is given to you as a gift. And you got to be careful that you don't fall for some of this stuff that they're pushing. But the idea is that they're God and also that you and I are God. And one of the things that is the most important doctrine of the New Age movement is that we're all God. Everything else they're doing is to try and get in contact with your God power. And the use of crystals is to become one with the universe. So that your brain waves vibrate at the same vibration rate as a crystal. And the crystal vibrates with your universe. And it's like a tuning fork. That's one of the ideas. A crystal is there to tune you in with the oneness of the universe. And then you realize you're God. The problem, of course, is this. Your brain waves go at somewhere around 30, depending which kind of wave that they are, but the, the fastest would be 
around 36 to 40 cycles per second. That's good. Crystals vibrate at about 55,000 cycles per second. Now, my brain can't catch up to that. Neither can yours. And they're just making this stuff up. And they're not using good science by any means. And crystals, or they'll say, well, crystals contain electricity. No, they don't. No, they don't. You can make electricity using them if you squeeze a crystal and release it. The pressure on the ions inside a crystal, crystal, if you push them in and release them, do release piezoelectric energy. But you can't really feel it. You need instruments to detect it. But you have to squeeze it and let it go. There's no electricity in the crystal itself. And you have to be careful of their claims and check anything they say. Same thing with astrology and so on. But one of the very important elements that they push is belief in reincarnation. Why? Very simple. If you live with people, I'll give an example from uh, something I saw. Shirley MacLaine did a movie called Out on a Limb. So I like the other book written about her by Lagarde Smith called Out on a Broken Limb. But her book, or and the movie, the made-for-TV movie, described how she was at the ocean and her teacher was telling her, well, surely you're God. Just say it. Just say you're God. And, you, and you'll realize you're God. I said, okay, I'm God. I said, no, 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 surely. Say it like you mean it. So then she stands up and she looks at the Pacific. I'm God. I'm God. I'm God. And the sun sets, the violins go up, and they break to a commercial just at that point. But you know what I noticed? Unlike God, she didn't walk on the water. She stayed there right on the shore. All right? And she herself would admit that she has not fully realized her divine power. She's not fully aware of it. So what she knows she has to do is come back again and again and again until she fully has her God power. And what they're trying to do is get you to realize that you are God. Now this, to me, is the most dangerous of the doctrines of the New Age movement. Spiritually and morally. First of all, spiritually. To quote the old spiritual song, Give me that old time temptation. It was good enough for Adam and Eve. It's good enough for me. What did the serpent say to Eve? Eat this fruit. Your eyes will be open and you will become gods. It's the same temptation. And it leads to the same spiritual disaster as the first sin led to. Secondly, it's a moral problem. Best illustrated by a quote from a New Ager, Swami Muktananda, came from India, lived over here. And he said, don't be critical of Hitler and Stalin. After all, they are God too. Now think about that. Think about that. Hitler and Stalin are God. Therefore, the extermination camps of Hitler and the gulag of Stalin are all God's activity. If you cannot say, and again, one of the other things too, if you're all God, 
Well, everybody is God. Then there is no such thing as evil. Sin does not exist. Now, that sounds pretty attractive. That sounds very attractive. And I think this is one of the attractions of the New Age movement. You can do anything, and there's no such thing as sin. And you can't call anything sin. And so you aren't bad at all. And if they can say that about Hitler and Stalin, they can and do say it about anybody. Murderers. They, what they, and this is from their own literature. When you commit murder, this is your divine choice. Because you are God. Now, if you choose to kill somebody, then you have to realize you're going to have karma from that. Not bad karma, just karma. Because there is no such thing as bad. And if you kill somebody, then it means you have to be murdered so that you know both sides of the experience. And you just need to learn both lessons. You kill and you get killed. Furthermore, and this is another part of the atrocity of this idea, is that if you get murdered, then it's because you had murdered somebody in another life, and this is just your karma. So that not only are you saying that the murderer is not committing anything wrong, but you're also saying, if you are murdered, it's your own choice. You are responsible for being murdered because you're God. You chose to enter a body that would get murdered. In other words, you blame the victims. It's their own fault. The woman who gave the term New Age to this movement said on her deathbed in 1949, it was Alice Bailey, that the Jews deserved what happened to them in the concentration camps. That is obscenity. And what a surprise for her when she died later on, that July 1949, to find out that the judge of her soul is a Jew. I don't think that would go over real well. The New Age movement makes it impossible to say what is right and what is wrong. Everything is right. And that to me is extraordinarily dangerous. Finally, the last element, because there, there are lots to, I want to get to your questions too, of course. But the last element of the New Age movement is it's belief in the new age. What do they mean by new age? Not that they're doing anything new. Another pen here. Yeah, here they got a pen. I like to use my pen to illustrate this because I left my globe at home. Imagine my pen is the axis of the earth. Now, the earth has all kinds of motions, right? For instance, our galaxy is moving around the universe. Our galaxy isn't staying put, it moves, right? And then, inside the galaxy, our sun, about two-thirds way out, is also moving around the, the, the Milky Way galaxy, right? In addition, the Earth goes around the sun. It's another motion that takes just over 365 days, 365.28 days or so. And then, in addition, to going around the sun in an elliptical orbit, the earth spins on its axis, right? 
Now, in that sense, imagine the earth being like a top. I was playing with uh, my friend's nephew the other day. Uh, he had a top, one of those tops that you pull and it really goes with a little plastic thing. We used to do it with string, but, you know, tops are fun to play with. Well, the earth is like a top. Only instead of just going off anywhere, because the way our tops do, because they just have the center of the earth as their gravitational pull, our top, the earth, keeps going around this orbit around the sun. Right? That's simple enough. In addition to those motions, there's one other motion that most of us don't pay attention to. And that is known as the precession of the Earth's axis. So, you know, again, think back on tops. You know how after a short time, tops might start up straight, but eventually they, they, they go at an angle, right? And as they lose energy, the angle gets wider and wider, and finally they collapse. Right? Well, the Earth is also at an angle. Whenever you see a globe, it's at a, what, 23-degree angle, right? In relationship to the orbit around the sun. Now, the, the top the, uh, of the Earth's axis also spins around like a top does. It goes at that 23-degree angle, and it moves completely around. It takes 26,000 years for the axis of the Earth to make a complete little circle. And that's called the precession of the Earth's axis. That's 26,000 years. That's older than most nuns. Now, <laughs> it is. I always say that to Angelica. Now, one of the things about that precession is that for 2,175 years or so, the axis of the Earth points at one of the constellations of the zodiac. All right? And then after 2,175 years, it moves to the next one for another 2,175 years. Okay? So on. Now, for the last 2,000 years, the axis of the Earth has been pointing at the astrological sign Pisces. What's the symbol of Pisces? Fish. Now, you all know that. How many fish are in Pisces? Two fish. You guys know a lot about astrology, don't you? <laughs> I always catch them. And one of the symbols of Jesus is the fish, right? So what they say is, this is the age of Pisces that our, our, the axis of the earth has been pointing to. That's the age of Christianity. By the way, we said there are two fish. Who's the other fish? One fish is Jesus. Who's the other one? Very simple. Jesus' older brother, Satan. Now, this is a standard belief. You see this in uh, Carl Gustav Jung, the Swiss psychologist, and you see this throughout the literature. Even the Mormons believe that Jesus' brother was Satan. And they used to live on another planet before they take, came to this planet. But that's another problem. But Jesus' older brother, Satan, is the other fish. And the way they see it is, and see, the problem, you, Christians say, oh, no. Well, the, the New Agers say, don't get upset. Satan isn't bad. Because there is no evil. Satan is God, too. Remember, they said, pantheism, everything is God, including Satan. He's just the dark side, and Jesus is the light side. Jesus is the yin, Satan is the yang. It's two sides of the same coin. It's all one. 
And you see where this takes very serious belief for them and has serious ramifications. Satan is as much God as Jesus Christ is. Now, they say then, the earth is now shifting from Pisces to Aquarius. And those of us who are old, remember the song, this is the dawning of the day of Aquarius. See, the old ones are all shaking their heads. <laughs> Cut. And that's what that's about. That's exactly what that means, is that the axis of the earth is going to point at Aquarius, the water bearer. And they believe is that when that happens, and they don't agree on when that is, some of them say 1910, some 1960, some 1999, some 2000, some another 200 years. They don't, because they don't know. You can't pinpoint it. It's not that precise. So they can make that up. But when it happens, whenever it is, then we'll all be New Agers. And that's what they mean by the New Age. It's the New Age of Aquarius, where everybody will use ESP, parapsychology, will all be reincarnated and realize more of our divine potential and we'll be better off than we were in the age of Pisces. Because Christians got it all mixed up by saying Satan is not God. And they thought of Satan as a bad guy. And we ruined this last... That, that's why we had wars. is because we looked at Satan as bad. That's their view of history. Now some of this is obviously fairly goofy. And I know I make a lot of fun of them. Um, and, and it's... Uh, i got to admit, though, I also get all my material from them. I have three bookcases of New Age books. And I haven't bought many. I've gotten them from New Agers who've repented. They realized this was foolish. And I sort of keep them as war trophies. These are my battle flags that I won from the other side. And I think that we have to Make a stand. Are we going to be for Jesus Christ or not? Are we going to be for what is true or for what would be convenient if it were true? It would be convenient to think there's no such thing as sin. And anything I do is okay. And anything I do is God. Anything I want is God. Then I'm all right. Or am I going to accept what Jesus Christ lived for and died for on the cross and rose again for the, from the dead for? Am I going to live for what God teaches me or for what the, this new age teaches me? And I think that we need to see very realistically some of the options that we have in the new age movement. While it talks about the importance of being one with each other. Right? They all believe that we're all one thing. The irony is, if you say that logic and words are unimportant, what you end up doing is isolating yourself. And a key element of the New Age movement, even pointed out by psychologists and by sociologists, is that each person has their own religion of themselves, and they become increasingly isolated. You can't criticize me. I have my religion, and there's no criticism. And that moves you into a position of such arrogance that you can't have 
any kind of personal change. And you can't really have personal communion with other the people around you. That's a tragic cutting off of you from community with other people. If you believe in reincarnation, that means this life doesn't really matter. My personality in this body does, doesn't really matter. And it's just a game. And if I want to take a vacation life, and I talk about this, sometimes you need a vacation life. I used to be a nun in another lifetime. I need to have more fun in this lifetime. And I'll be serious next time I come back. That is a lie from the enemy of our soul. You and I exist as unique persons for this time. God didn't want you to be born in another time. He wanted you to be born where you are. And he has a mission for each and every one of us. From before the world was created, he had you and me in mind for this time in history. And he has a task for us. If you take life as something that can pass back and forth and is just sort of one option after another, you're not taking yourself seriously. And you're not taking yourself as seriously as God our Lord does. You were born to have the children you're to have. To live the vocation that you are to have. And to do the tasks in society you are supposed to do. And our task is not to wander around from one lifetime to another, but our task is to find out, Lord, what do you want me to do to make this world more holy? What do you want from me to help sanctify this culture so that this culture will be better because you called me to be here? And that this culture will be holy because you called me to be here now. I'm not coming back. That's why it says very clearly in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 27, you die once and then comes the judgment. It's appointed for every man to die once and then comes the judgment. What part of once don't you get? This is it. This is the life God has given you. And our task is to listen to him as to how to live it. Also, the Catholic faith is a faith which is open up for examination. We don't have secrets except what you say in the confessional. Apart from that, we don't have secrets. You hear confess, I hear your confession. I can't even talk to you about it. I can't walk up to someone and say, hey, how was that private? Stop stealing stuff yet? No, that's the one area of secrecy. And we leave that a secret. It's done. But everything else that we teach and believe, this is something that we open up for examination. You can take a look at our scripture. You can take a look at our teaching. You can take a look at our history. A history filled with sinners, many of whom became great saints. And you can open that up for any kind of testing and examination, and this is what I do for a living, try to study the past and see where we came from. And my own challenge to, do, to you is to do the same with any new age ideas that come your way. Test them. 
Don't take them just because somebody said, oh, this is cool. Test to see what is the basis of their claim. I'll show you the basis of our Christian claim. I'll give that to you, and I'll go and I'll give you the evidence. But show me the claims that they have. And I guarantee you, the more they show, the less you'll see. And finally, I mentioned earlier that I've never, ever heard of a New Age martyr. This is not a religion worth dying for. And if it's not worth dying for, it's not worth living for. It's hollow. Witchcraft, New Age magic, astrology, all of these things are hollow and broken. And they can only give a dead and deadly cling to it. They can't give you a sweet sound that resonates as the truth. And this is something that we have to pay attention to. To have something that is worth living for, working hard for, giving everything you are for, it has to be worth it. When you marry, if you're not married yet, you should make sure you choose a spouse it's worth giving your all for. Children that you're willing to give everything you've got for. And in your religion, it has to be the same. God, who is truth itself, has to be worth living for. And he also show himself to be someone worth dying for. Because it's that valuable. Don't go for any fool's gold. Get the riches of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And if you are strong in your faith, is it wrong or bad to watch a TV program or movie that consists of New Age topics? Well, why is what I want to know. Maybe, maybe it is bad for you to watch it. Are you just going there just to, to learn what they're doing and why they're doing it? Or are you saying, well, you know, maybe there could be something here. You know, that's, that's a big difference in mentality, isn't it? Are you saying that uh, you're going to watch, uh, I'm trying to think of, oh, that Johnny Edwards show. And you're going to watch that. Well, let's see if he says anything that's interesting. You know, what are you doing? That's dumb. That's like listening to the Jerry Springer show for moral theology lessons. <laughs> you know, now there are times in which I watch some of this stuff to see what they're up to for my criticism. All right, and you can, you can do that. But if you're just there out of a curiosity, oh, this could be interesting. What are you talking about? You know, and I, I do read their literature. I make sure I do, but also know this. I can't stand to read more than a couple books at a time without reading something good afterwards. But after you eat too much junk food, you have to take something to get rid of it. Harry Potter, is it part of the New Age movement to make the children believe that witchcraft is okay? And why do the Catholic schools allow the children to read and watch it? All right, uh, a couple things. Um, you know, Harry Potter is not great literature. It's, it's children's literature. And the, uh, 
the thing that, you know, I, I myself, I've read a couple of them. I look at them and say, hmm, there's some interesting things about Harry Potter. On one hand, I don't like it that non-witches are called muggles, as if their minds are all muddled up or something. I don't think that it's uh, a good thing uh, that Harry Potter can lie and disobey, and then that's how he becomes a hero. He gets away with it. That's not a good lesson. And I think that um, there is there are some things about the Harry Potter books that are the vocabulary is good and and a variety of things there. And I don't think that the witch, as far as I've been able to find out, the witchcraft uh, uh, spells are not real spells. That's something that the author made up. But I, I'm more concerned by this witch, non-witch mentality. Witches are cool, non-witches are not cool. And while I don't find a whole lot objectionable, uh, except for the, the, the lying and disobedience, uh, to really turn me off in Harry Potter. Um, I know that it has gotten a lot of people interested in witchcraft stuff. And that the witchcraft for adolescents and pre-adolescents has just skyrocketed. And this is, you know, the, I go to the bookstore and I see what's for sale. And there are books. Spells to do your homework. Spells to get good grades on a test. Spells to... Um, you know, the only spell my mother and father had was applied low enough and hard enough to make sure that I got my homework done. That was a good spell. Being grounded, that was a good spell. That worked. And, you know, th this other stuff is what I'm also very concerned about. You know, but the Harry Potter books themselves, they're, you know, they're, they're sort of fun in their own little way, but uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not overly fond of it. Uh, I much, much prefer, in terms of great literature, really fine literature, The Lord of the Rings. That is really fine, fine literature. And I hope that we get folks to read good literature. Right, also, here's a question. Is there any validity to the TV show on the other side by Jonathan Edwards? How could I possibly know and how could anybody know? Do you, who goes around checking to see if any of these things that he says about these people are true? You got the folks in the audience that, oh yeah, that's true. But it's, do you ever listen to what they say? It's so vague and so general. You know, that this person was a loving person, wasn't he? You know, it's not quite that vague, but it's almost. Or sometimes that person got very angry, didn't they? Well, you know, that applies to about 100% of the human race. I know, because I've even seen Mother Angelica go off the handle. Ha, huh, she does it on TV. You, you just can't, um, verify anything. So that's why it's just not worth the time or energy. Music. What do they mean when they list songs on a New Age music, like Yanni? What they, there are two kinds of New Age mood, uh, music. 85% or more, maybe, of New Age music is a bin that they put this stuff in. It's soft jazz. Nothing more, nothing less. No big deal. If you like that guy, I don't like Yanni. But some people do. I like country and western. Some people hate it. You know, so they like this new age stuff. I like you know, death and divorce and all that stuff. <laughs> Actually, I like George Strait. I love George Strait. Because all my exes live in Texas. But 
the uh, but you know that's just a musical choice. But there is that small group, 10-15% in that bin, that is truly new age. In which, how can you tell? It says, and usually it'll tell you ahead of time, it's trying to alter your consciousness. Yanni doesn't care what you meditate on. He's just playing light jazz. And I know a lot of people just love it. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it's trying to change, and especially if it has lyrics that are sub, subliminal lyrics, you can't hear them. You know, I think there's a law now in some states that you have to show that if it's the case. Why? Why am I concerned about that? Because some of that is hypnotic trance technique. And I've, I've actually listened to and seen some of the tapes uh, that say, don't listen to this while you're driving. You know, if they tell me not to listen to it while I'm driving, I don't think I should listen to it any time. <laughs> because what they're warning against is you might hip be hypnotized while you're driving and do harm to yourself. Well, it's not only when you're driving that you can do harm to yourself under hypnosis. You don't, hypnosis isn't a game, okay? What can you say for healthful and or scientifically proven alternative health practices borrowed by the New Agers? You know, I have no problem with alternative health things, if they work. And that's the key. You know, if you, you, somebody gave me, I ran out of, I have rheumatoid arthritis. And I was giving a series of uh, New Age lectures, anti-New Age lectures, in Australia. I ran out of medicine. I went to see it. Well, I asked a friend, is there a doctor here I can get a prescription from to get the, the medicine, naproxen in those days. And they said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you try what we try down here? New Zealand green-lipped muscle extract. And I said, what are you guys talking about? Even let me have a plate full of these things. They're good. They, I like muscles. They taste good. Uh, but I said, what is this with my arthritis? He said, well, try it. So I did. And it really did work. It really works. Dang. But nasty, nasty stuff. I mean, it, it, it stank like the dead fish it is. <laughs> but it, re it really did work for a while. Then it stopped working for me anymore. So I had to get the other stuff. If something works, there's no, try to find out why. As a matter of fact, when I came back, I told my rheumatologist about it. See, what can you do to find out why this works? I don't want to know just that it works. Why does it work? You know, we should find that out. Do double-blind studies. And I've been on a double-blind study experiment for the last two years. It's got a two-year extension. It works wonderfully. I have to give myself a shot right in the stomach. Wham! And, and it works great. Because without my medicine, I can't even walk. I'm completely crippled, and now I'm playing racquetball and beating 30-year-olds. <laughs> that medicine is good. Not always, though. <laughs> is there a certain weakness or main desire which brings someone into the New Age when they had basic Christian upbringing? There are a variety of things. Medicine, alternative medicine is one of them. I'll give an example. This lady, uh, there, there's a book, a collection of 50 uh, stories of how people got to the New Age movement. Sort of little witness story. And, and how they did through alternative medicine. So this one lady uh, realized that uh, she had uh, an interior inflammation. And she went to the doctor. He couldn't do anything for it. Went to an alternative medicine guy. He didn't do anything for it. He didn't stop. But he said, maybe if you get hypnotized and find out about your past lives, you realize what happened. So that's what she did. And that got... We started the new age thing. And she found out when she was hypnotized, 
that she used to be a, 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 a loose woman, shall we say, professional loose woman, at a, a Western, Wild Western saloon. And in, during a gunfight, she got wounded. Somebody knocked over a lantern, set the place on fire. She burned to death, and that's why she still has an inflammation today. Now, she was serious. And then she went back further, and she said, now I realize I was a nun in England, and I was burned at the stake by the Inquisition. <laughs> Wrong answer, because England never had the Inquisition. Uh-oh. So that's why you can't, I don't trust Jonathan Edwards or any of these other people. These folks are making it up. And this is one of the things that uh, they just don't bother. But that's one way to get into it. Sometimes people will, will come across a crisis. How did Shirley MacLaine? She had an abortion. She broke up with one of, one of many boyfriends. And then she broke up with the next guy, too. She did past life regression to find out, why did I break up with this guy? Well, simple why I broke up with him. I was his love slave in Mongolia, and I killed him back then. Then I was his geisha girl in Japan, and he murdered me. And we're still fighting. Well, you say, stop, stop. But people are, you know, what I suspect is a lot of them are very intelligent people who see things that don't make sense in life, and they see a couple of dots, and they make the wrong connections between them, and they get the wrong picture. And that's the concern. Another issue, too, is that a lot of these folks don't want Christian morality, like the abortion, the having one boyfriend after another, or one girlfriend after another, and on and on and on. Usually it's in the sexual area, where there's strongly felt feelings that they feel guilty about, so I shouldn't feel guilty, I love this person. Well, you are guilty, because no matter what you feel, you are not living responsibly with and for this person. You don't have the marriage commitment, you're using them and being used by them. So, of course, you've got yourself messed up, and you're trying to talk yourself out of the guilt you feel, but you're guilty. And instead of that, you need to confess the sin and stop it. And then you've got a chance for spiritual growth. All right. Is it wrong to read the horoscope? Of course it is. As a matter of fact, take a look at the prophet Isaiah, chapter 47. Go ahead. Consult your astrologers and your monthly prognosticators. May you burn like chaff with them. This is no fire to warm yourself with, but a fire of destruction. <laughs> Sounds to me like God doesn't like it. What's wrong with Wiccans or witchcraft? Well, here's one of the problems. Witchcraft is an attempt to get power. And you use non-conventional ways to get that power. For instance, various spells. And they try to distinguish white magic from black magic. And they'll say that some white magic is just there to help people or get good things for yourself. Black magic does harm. We don't want to do harm. You know, white witches try to avoid that. Uh, and they're, but they still are trying to get power. And it's an attempt to have a control over one's life that reminds me of the way two-year-olds live. You know, when two-year-olds want something, they want it now. And they can be very insistent 
and they'll turn blue, throw tantrums, etc., etc., as so many of you moms and dads know. And what do you do? Do you say, oh, oh, stop crying. I'll give you anything you want. What happens when you do that? You're doomed as a parent. The kid's in charge. And it's a disaster for the kid as well as for the parent. Kids should not be in charge of the family. Right? And they don't really want to be. They push, but they don't want to be in charge. They shouldn't be in charge. It's good to push. Because when the kid pushes, and you and as parents stay firm, then you can, the kid can build up moral muscle. Sort of like moral isometrics. Do more isometric exercises, you push against something that's stable. But if the parent is like a couch that gives all the time, God is the same way with stuff in this world. You don't just go around saying, I'm going to get a spell. I'm going to put a spell on you like that guy you seen that song, Frog, Frog Boy, somebody or other. Oh, back in the 50s. Uh, you don't just put a spell on people to get what you want. You know, the, life is not about my willful acquisition of anything that comes to my little mind. A lot of times, I ask for things. I ask for a pony. Year after year after year. But my parents said, no, we lived in a house trailer. What am I going to do with a pony? I just wanted to live like Roy Rogers. But we didn't live like Roy Rogers. And so, uh, up until I was eight, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a cowboy. Since then, I wanted to be a priest. Now I wear cowboy boots. But, but, but you just can't get anything you want. That's not life. And unfortunately, witchcraft is trying to do that. And it's building up a certain type of pride and arrogance inside the witch. As well as, in addition to that, on the psychological level, there's also, on the spiritual level, possibly, I've seen this happen any number of times, usually young people, sometimes adults, will open themselves up to playing around with this stuff, and something happens that they look for. And then they become fascinated. Now, one of the things my dad used to do was be a used car salesman. Now, in the used car business, you try to get customers on the lot, right? One of the standard shills was that you say, come on down this Saturday morning. We have a car, 1995, clean as a whistle, $200. First come, first serve. Now, they've got one car like that. They sell it to the guy who works in the garage, the mechanic, when he gets to work. And he owns it, and then he sells it back to the dealer. This is a scam, right? But it's got this crowd of people saying, I want to be first. And they say, well, sold it. Sorry, you missed it. But I got over here for $1,000, you know, so or whatever. It's been a long time since my dad was in the business. So I don't remember car prices anymore. But uh, so this is the same thing that goes on with witchcraft. Something happens, it intrigues you, and then you start to follow more. But it's a shill. It's something that gets you fascinated and you try harder and harder to do stuff and you start working with more and more serious magic. And I've seen that any number of times. And I've been very, very impressed by the number of suicide attempts by folks who get into this stuff. The great, crazy, uh, one couple who called me because they'd been involved in a witchcraft group out in, out west. And 
one of the things, witchcraft gets boring after a while because they don't get most of the spells. And so they started having orgies. And as a result of the orgies, these were the only two members of that witchcraft coven that did not have AIDS. And this is, you know, something that was very extraordinarily dangerous to them. They all died of AIDS, except for this couple. And they came back to the Catholic faith when they realized how dangerous what they'd been doing was, spiritually as well as uh, physically and psychologically and morally. So, give us a sense of how widespread New Age ideas have, have become. Well, it dominates Hollywood, that's for sure. Uh, and I don't have up-to-date figures because they, I haven't seen anybody publish them. They've not been bragging as much as they used to. They, they're, in fact, they're a little more embarrassed about themselves because, in general, New Age is kind of silly. And its silliness is being made fun of. But uh, at, back in the mid-90s, it was annually a $50 million a year book industry. And it depends on where you live, too. In Birmingham, it's not as big. But you go to the big super uh, bookstores. You know, I don't know what, the, what, what they have here for books. What's Barnes & Noble? All right. Go to Barnes & Noble and check out the books how, how many book cases are for New Age? How many are for the Catholic faith? <laughs> All right. Now, you go to some places, it's the opposite. In Texas, when I lived there, the, 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 the Christian section and the Catholic section was much bigger than the New Age. But in other places, in California and Florida, have a lot of that stuff. I mean, Florida had the first spiritist town. The whole, there's a whole town up north uh, in Florida, it's owned by the Church of Spiritism. And only Spiritists can live there. So, but they, they also have people across the street from the town who are New Agers that don't like the Spiritists. So they have their sort of, I guess, if they believe in reincarnation, they really could have a fight between the Hatfields and the McCoys. They could all be reincarnated. And then finally is the last one. What would, would you speak about the dangers of the white magic and the Ouija board? I already mentioned white magic. And the Ouija board. Um, you know, the Ouija board is, is a game that's put up by Parker Brothers, right? But it's not a game. You don't play with that stuff. That's a game, you know, the, the way some kids play with uh, loaded pistols. You know, but it's a spiritual loaded pistol. You don't play games with this stuff. The occult and... The, uh, and including the, these various forms of divination, trying to find out the future or find out things through um, seances and all that, that is explicitly forbidden in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 11, that the Lord says, all those who do these abominations and act abominably doing so become abominations, including killing your sons and daughters by passing them through the fire, which was part of worshiping the pagan gods. Um, you know, consulting spirits, mediums, and any other form of enchanting that they, they this list enchanting, all of that is forbidden. Instead of fooling around with this kind of knowledge, we need to know this book. We need to not only read the scriptures, but let the scriptures form our minds and our souls. Let God speak to us in the word of God. And allow ourselves to be made into better people 
through the word of God. By praying the words of the man. By praying our rosary. And getting to know the face of Christ. Because as Pope John Paul makes so, so beautifully clear. We'll find who we are in Christ. As we get to know the person of Christ. We'll be able to see our own truest identity. God made us in his own image and likeness. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, right? In the image and likeness of God, he made us. We sinned and we messed up that image. Okay? That's the reality. And you don't have to go far to see sinners. The mirror will be a good place to start. And the people you live with are next. You, know, you don't find, I always tell young couples, don't expect your spouse to be sinless. They don't make that kind anymore. <laughs> that model ran out. So you, find, you marry sinners. That's the way life is. But in Christ, God is restoring us. God so loved the world that he sent his son so that all who believe in him would have eternal life. That's Pope John Paul's most favorite verse. And it's not because he watches football and sees those John 3.16 signs. He loves that verse of John 3.16 because it's the very basis of who we are. And we need to find out who we are in the image and likeness of God in Jesus Christ. We need to know what we can and should be in Him. And our own prayer our meditation on Scripture, our receiving of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, our getting to know His face as we meditate on the Scriptures and on the mysteries of the Rosary, these things will help us to see our truest identity. And not only our own identity, but also will give us the ability to go out and win the whole of our culture. That's our goal. The Vatican II makes it very clear the goal of the Catholic faith is to make everybody fall in love in that unity of faith in Jesus Christ, in his church. Not because we want them to join our Catholic club, but because we want them to know the truth and to be fashioned in that image and likeness of God. That's our task. So let's do it. Not sit around, but let's go ahead and do it. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation brought to you by Perusia Media. Perusia Media is an Australian-based media company bringing you good, wholesome Catholic formation material in DVD, CD, and book formats. Visit our website at www.perusiamedia.com. That's www.parousiamedia.com. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you and your family.